0: You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi.
1: And welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass, Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs on Thursdays at 3 p.m. West Coast Time, and it's heard exclusively here on Internet Radio Station OC TalkRadio.net. If you're listening to this show in the future as a podcast, we here at the station and the program encourage you to consider listening to our program live during our broadcast time. This show is brought to you by our commercial sponsors, Commerce National Bank, Succession Strategies, Smart Stop Self Storage, and Smart Business Magazine. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, make better business decisions. Critical Mass Coast to Coast is a production of Renaissance Executive Forums and Critical Mass for Business. We have three guests today. We're going to be getting to our first guest, Saul Schwartz, after we take this brief commercial timeout, and we'll be right back with our first guest, Saul Schwartz.
0: Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive Got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step So I Smart Stopped It took a minute to think I need a little better spot, not under the sink
2: With Smart Stop, I leave the stress at the door Cause it's the smarter way to store Smart Stop bucks the system Your first month's rent is just a buck Your next three months are half off Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station Goodbye clutter,
0: hello floors Smart Stop, the
2: smarter way
0: to store
1: Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. And if you're thinking about contacting Smart Stop Self Storage, we would encourage you to do that. If you need a little extra space, let them know you hear their, heard their commercial here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast, heard on octalkradio.net. As I said before the break, our first guest is Sol Schwartz. Saul, welcome to the program. Welcome to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Thank you very much. Tell us a little bit about your firm, Saul. Yes, we are a CPA firm.
3: We're in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, We're one of the larger local firms here. And basically, our firm is known for its uh, tax expertise. And uh, we have areas that we specialize in that uh, we offer to our clients. We do a lot of estate tax planning. We do a lot of planning in the income tax area. Um, We have areas of international tax that we work with medical practices, real estate, oil and gas, uh, these types of things. And we also offer a full service of auditing and um, and, and client uh, relationships as far as bookkeeping goes.
1: This must be a busy time of the year for you, sir. It is
3: a busy time of the year. <laughs>
1: well, we appreciate you giving us a little bit of time here on Coast to Coast. Sure. Let's talk a little bit about where you see or how you see the role of accountants in the future, especially with how fast things are changing and regulations and technology.
3: Right. Well, you know, uh, there's several areas that are important. What we focus on is really educating our client to contact us before they go into a transaction so that we can help them plan for it That way, when the end of the year comes around, we have an idea where their taxes are going to be. And oftentimes we find people that don't meet with their CPAs until it comes tax preparation time. That time it's too late. So it's important for now and in the future for people to think, call your CPA before you enter into a particular transaction. The other uh, issue is is that uh, CPAs today can do things such as Let's say you have a problem with your employees. We help clients choose the right employees with things. We we help them uh, interview them. The big thing today, I would think, is uh, using the Internet for their accounting needs, and this is growing more and more all the time. Uh, We have a secure portal where our clients can send to us Their information through, I'm sorry, I keep getting a call on the other line. Our clients can keep sending us information, can send us information through the Internet, but we can maintain their accounting records in our office. And I think this is becoming more and more um, popular today because that's one or two few pure people you need to have in your office when your accounting firm can handle it through the Internet. Uh, we're also seeing internal controls as a big issue today. Uh, yes. you want to go to sleep at night knowing that your money is staying with you and not going out the back door somewhere. And another issue I think where CPAs can really be helpful today is asset protection. You know, it's nice to make a bundle, but unless you can protect it from certain liabilities, you know, you, you may leave yourself open for, uh, you know, losing it. So there there are several issues I see today and in the future that CPAs need to offer these types of services.
1: You know, you're um, earlier talking about the expertise of your firm as it is in tax and helping companies prepare for their taxes. and I'm just wondering from your perspective with all the conversations that have been going on in the national media about the need for revenue and that budget deficit, have you seen any change in how your clients or small and mid-market business owners are being treated by, let's say, the IRS or by the federal government as it relates to tax filings and scrutiny? And What do you advise your clients in that area at so? all?
3: The biggest change we see now is that the uh, rules are making the accountant more responsible for the uh, reporting of his client's information. There are greater penalties imposed upon CPAs today if uh, a deduction is taken that should not be taken or if it wasn't documented properly. There's a lot of different areas that fall into that, but I've seen cases come about where someone was not allowed to take a charitable contribution deduction because he didn't have the right documentation. Now, it's important for the CPA to remind and to check on the client having the proper documentation before that deduction is taken. And it's imposing a lot more responsibilities on the client today to have a proper documentation and on the CPA to make sure that it's there. And I think this is a coming trend.
1: I think we have Enron and other companies that who are on much larger scale to Thank for maybe that level of responsibility that's being pushed onto the CPAs and the other accounting professionals. Do do you um, does your firm perform audited tax work for companies? Yes,
3: we have an audit department as well, and uh, <laughs> we do audit compilations, uh, review engagements, and um, other types of accounting. Uh, let's say support work.
1: What would be your advice? To a small or mid-market business owner who might be listening today or in the future as a podcast on the value of having their financial financials not only properly vetted and prepared by a professional accounting firm, CPA firm, but having them audited on a periodic basis, what would be your recommendation to them, Solve?
3: Well, you know, an audit is done just to show a third party that your accounting records are kept in accordance with accounting principles. An audit is not supposed to catch any fraud or defalcation that's going on. So when a business goes to hire a CPA to do an audit, they need to be sure they understand what they're asking the CPA to do. There are some special types of audits that can be done to catch uh a defalcation. But generally, an audit is done to show that the books are kept in accordance with accounting principles, which means in essence that when a banker looks at it, they have a reliability that the the income is being reported properly and the assets are being stated properly. Why would a small business go to the additional expense of an audit? Several reasons. One is to get a loan from a bank. Oftentimes, banks are now requiring it. Second of all, if there are several shareholders and maybe some passive shareholders involved, like a family, they would want to be sure that they're well protected by showing that they have maintained their books and records properly. So there's a couple of reasons to get an audit. And we do audits for various reasons.
1: And I think as we are, hopefully you're seeing it in your market as well, the economy recovering and business picking back up and uh, I think many business owners, w- within a certain amount of time, are going to be needing their relationships for working capital to grow the business as their revenue grows. And it's been my experience working here in Southern California with business owners that having a set of audited financial statements can carry a lot more weight, like you said, when you're talking to a bank or with other funding institutions about the and, – and a disciplined approach to – having your financials audited on a regular basis, not just because I need to because I get a loan, but sort of that's a priority for us as a business owner. I think that means a lot to other people that are making business decisions, value judgments based on the numbers. Yeah,
3: absolutely. An audit has a lot of uh, greater weight to a a lender.
1: You mentioned fraud before, and uh, we did a, a conference out here not too long ago in Southern California on employee fraud and because... It's so prevalent, unfortunately, in small and mid-market companies. You know, I think a lot of times business owners think think that fraud and corruption's a part of the large corporate world, but truth be told, it disproportionately affects fraud disproportionately affects small and mid-market business owners, doesn't it?
3: Yes, and uh, we have uh, seen some situations like that. We picked up a client a couple of years ago. They did not know they had a fraud problem. They had the same CPA firm for 25 years and they thought everything was going wonderful until one day they discovered that the money wasn't in the bank when they thought it was. Came back in and we showed them what they could do to have better internal controls. And uh, for example, we have a new client we picked up recently. There was no... He was not worried about there being fraud. What he was worried about is that not knowing what was going on in his bookkeeping department. He had one bookkeeper, he had her for a long time, and he didn't have anybody else there really to look over her shoulder to see if things were being done properly or if there was something missing. So he called us in to take a look at what his internal controls look like and whether there is a way of slippage, let's say, uh, by the bookkeeper. And we went through it very thoroughly. We gave him a written report, and we gave him suggestions of what he could do to improve his office procedures.
1: Yeah, it's tricky to have good internal controls when you're a small company because many times you just don't have the people to be able to have a check and balance in your system. And I think sometimes it it really defaults to a business owner, especially in a smaller firm, to be looking at the bank statements, to be looking at the checks, to understand who they're paying, why they're paying these people, and not just assume that all of that is being handled properly in their best interests.
3: In, in this particular case, uh, he had a choice of hiring somebody else to come in and do bank reconciliations and other items, or we gave him an alternative that uh, it's the first time we've done this, but we thought it would work for him, is that his bank could electronically send us the monthly you know, bank statements and we could take that and compare that to his records, which are sent to us electronically, to see if that the uh, books are balanced properly and the money is being handled properly. So it saved him time of hiring somebody else and interviewing someone else and making sure they were doing it right by having it all done through the Internet today, which I think is a coming trend.
1: I think that's a great idea, and I would suggest that is a good service to offer, because I tell you, it's being penny-wise and pound-foolish many times. You know, fraud sounds boring until you hear the stories of how creative employees can be to steal from their employer. Those stories sometimes are fascinating, how people, what they, the schemes they come up with to take money out of the business.
3: Well, there's always a lure where there's not proper controls.
1: Exactly. So I'm being told by my engineer that it is time to say goodbye to you but I want to appreciate I want to say how much I appreciate you being our guest today but before I let you leave if someone wants to find you and your firm what is your website
3: Our website is www.ssacpa.com.
1: Well good luck in this busy season. Thank you for taking a little bit of time away from the demands of what your clients are expecting you to do. And I know you only have a mountain more of work to do between now and April 15. So thanks for being our guest today on Critical Uh, Mass. You're quite welcome. Uh, Thank you for calling me. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Saul Schwartz, ladies and gentlemen, and his firm is Saul Schwartz & Associates. He's chairman of the board, and we appreciate him being here, as I said, in his hectic season. We're going to take our second commercial break. And when we come back, we have a guest coming to us from the beautiful state of Arizona. I'm sure you can sing a song that goes along with that, but don't do it today. So, ladies and gentlemen, stay with us because we have two more guests here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast today. And we'll be interviewing our second guest after this break.
4: and learn more about our executive peer group.
2: My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank Relationship Officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business than Orange County, you should make the switch, too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit him online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest.
1: Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This show is one in a series of Critical Mass radio shows. On Tuesday, we bring interviews of interesting business leaders from Southern California on our flagship program, Critical Mass Radio Show. This show is in its fourth year and can be heard live at 4 p.m. On Wednesdays, we are our show featuring Southern California nonprofit organizations, And their leaders. All of our shows can be heard live here on Internet radio station OCTalkRadio.net, or they can be rebroadcast anytime from Apple's iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcasting services. All of our shows can be found as well on our website, CriticalMass4Business.com. All right, it's time to turn our attention to our second guest, Tyson. Welcome to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Hi, this is Bill Hageman. Hi, Bill. How are you? Welcome to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. (laughs) I'm great, thank you. (laughs) Great. I thought we had a different second guest, but I guess he'll be third today. So no problem. We're just moving along here on Coast to Coast. Bill, tell us a little bit about your firm.
5: Uh, We are a um, certified public accounting and and, uh, consulting firm, about 450 people. Um, ranked in the top 35 in the uh, country, providing primarily uh, audit and accounting and assurance for the middle market. Uh, many, uh, Most of our clients are uh, privately owned.
1: And you're CEO for the firm. Tell me a little bit about your background.
5: Well, I, I am a CPA. Uh, I've been doing this for, I've been with our firm for um, about 31 years. And I grew up through the uh, accounting practice by, um, uh, at first, being being an auditor, then um, also being a tax consultant, and uh, ultimately um, uh, spending most of my time doing merger and acquisition work in the middle market.
1: What do you like about working with the middle market?
5: Well, what I like about it most (laughs) is that um, there's always something different. You don't know what each day is going to bring. Um, working with entrepreneurs they um, can sometimes be a little high-strung um, but for the most part they are um, very um, rewarding to work work with and they're very loyal um, and each each day has a um, intellectual challenge to it
1: so this is a busy time of the year for your firm as well
5: absolutely um, you know being um, accountants if we're not busy in February and March we're not going to be busy. Uh, right. So it's, it's, this is our uh, time of year. There's a lot of compliance work to be done, a lot of audit work. Uh, we prepare audit, audited and reviewed financial statements for most of our business clients. And then uh, there's a fair amount of tax compliance work to be done. Corporate returns are due um, the middle of March, um, and um, individuals do the middle of April, and many clients like to file on time. So um, mm-hmm. we need to be in a position to be able to assist them the best we can.
1: Have you seen any uh, change in behavior on either at a state level or at a federal level for reviewing of small and mid-market business owners and executives and their firm's tax returns?
5: Clearly, the states and the IRS are more interested in compliance than they had been in, in recent years. The current administration's. Um, have, have been putting more, more money into compliance uh, to make sure that um, uh, companies are, are following the rules. Um, so that has definitely been a, uh, a change of, of late. Um, you know, everybody's trying to raise, raise revenues. We're spending a fair amount of time in our multi-state practice, what we call a state and, and local tax practice, um, because, you know, we are hearing from states that we never heard from before, especially for our clients that are in multiple states. It's very typical that a client would be in one state and selling into another, and um, the uh, second state now is looking for a, uh, looking for some level of um, revenue, whether it be sales and use tax or, or income tax. Um, and what all the states have figured out is it's easier to tax out-of-state companies because they don't have to worry about not about uh, votes. So um, they, they have been a little bit tough with um, out-of-state companies these days.
1: It's interesting, the uh, back and forth between states, both in trying to attract entrepreneurs to move to their state, and then, as you said, maybe focusing on out-of-state companies that are domiciled in a different location for tax base. It, it's curious how par- parochial those uh, organizations can be when they're, you know, looking for out for their best interests as well.
5: Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually funny because I was thinking about that the other day in terms of our own firm. If um, I had a partner that was trying to attract a client that was to the detriment of another partner, I think I'd be pretty angry at them. But here in the United States, states typically will trash another state in order to get the business to move in or uh, to um, attempt to tax somebody that's a little bit easier. So we really don't have a team concept, do we?
1: No we don't. So tell me about a time that you learned, maybe it was vicariously through a a client's experience, but you learned a valuable lesson, You know, kind of a business lesson, Bill, that lives with you today, but it came out of an experience that might have been trying or difficult or painful. Do you have an experience in your past that you could relate to our audience? I find that our audience uh, learns best by the examples of our guests.
5: I, I tell you, it's, it's actually funny you would ask that because, um, <clears throat> you know, I don't, I don't handle a lot of clients directly anymore, but um, there was a um, particular client that I used to work with on a regular basis, and um, I was talking to my partner that um, now handles them the other day. And this client, for many years back in, I want to say, back during the 90s and the late 80s, struggled. Year after year, we were, argue, we were uh, trying to raise financing for them, and um, he, has a, he had a very valuable house down at the Jersey Shore, and I had asked him to uh, a number of times had recommended that he um, sell that house in order to help out the business. And he, he, he would never do it. He was just in last week, and um, his business, which was doing, you know, you know, back when I was handling it, two or $3 million in revenue, is now doing $25 million in revenue, is uh, generating a profit that is seven figures, and he still holds on to the house. And that house is worth four times what it was. And kind of the lesson I learned, and I actually said this to my partner, was, you know, the fact that he was determined. And not only did he work hard to, big, to build a business, but he stuck by his principles, and he was determined to hold on to that asset that he felt was very dear to him and his family. And uh, he, was, he was able to ultimately make it work. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I give him a lot of credit because he was getting pressure from me pressure from the banks, pressure from his vendors on a, on a daily basis and he, he would he would not give in and uh, you know sometimes that uh, that's uh, what it, that's what it really takes to be successful.
1: And it's a challenging time because in my experience working with entrepreneurs and business owners life has a way of giving you a challenge right at the time that you most want to have you don't want to deal with it or maybe you're in a weakened state you know and I, I, I can applaud that guys. I'm glad it worked out well for him. I wasn't sure where you were going when you said the Jersey Shore for a minute I got worried <laughs> but it seems like it worked out well for him so that's it, good.
5: it worked out it worked out very well for
1: him. How is the economy in your area performing? You're getting now to see people's performance for 2012. You're helping coaching them with tax issues for 2013. What's your general sense about the climate in your area?
5: I think that what we are generally seeing is that clients are are struggling with revenues. Revenues are flat. Um, if you get uh, any growth at all, um, you're pretty happy with it. You know, something as much as five percent is uh, pretty is, is almost extraordinary. On the other side of the coin, most of our clients are um, profitable. Um, they are they are generating um, they are generating a, a bottom line um, cash flow uh, while um, credit is a risk, credit with their customers is, continues to be a risk. If you continue to work it, you're able to keep cash flow going um, at, a, at a pretty robust pace. But the one thing we're not seeing from our, from our clients is any optimism for the future. Everybody continues to be worried about what the future will bring. Everybody believes that the economy is, continues to be precarious. Everybody watches Washington and is fairly disgusted with what, um, with what goes on there. Um, and as a result, is no one's really investing in the future. No one's investing in talent. Uh, no one's investing in capital. And um, that that really is what's the most concerning about today's environment.
1: It really is putting a um, you know I think a chill on the future opportunities that we see across this country based on the dysfunction at a, at a, at the national level. It's. Very unfortunate, in my opinion, that that we're because I think it is having if it's not having a material effect directly, it's having a psychological effect which then has a material effect because entrepreneurs don't know what to do
5: correct. and and you know what? if we knew exactly where we were going, then the entrepreneurs would be able to pick a path, but not knowing where we're going, whether you believe in the democratic philosophy or the Republicans, not knowing which way we're going to go. Continues to um, hold to keep people in a holding pattern. Time of un, of uncertainty is somewhat unraveling.
1: It's the worst. I think I, yeah. I completely agree with you. Entrepreneurs and business owners can chart a course with, regardless of what the news is, they can they'll figure out how to react to it. You can't figure out how to react to uncertainty, which is from a business owner's perspective the worst future that they're dealt, and it's been going on for so long. It's it's. It's really, I think, very unfortunate. I wish we had stronger leadership on both sides of the aisle. Hey, um, do you have many manufacturing companies that you service?
5: Yes, we do. It's actually one of our largest industry
1: niches. So I am a big fan of manufacturing companies, and I do a lot here in Southern California with manufacturing companies because, quite frankly, we have a significant number. People don't really associate that with where I live in this part of the world. But from your perspective What's it look like for manufacturing companies in the Philadelphia area?
5: We are actually seeing manufacturing coming back. Um, you know, we kind of joked a little bit about the states um, looking to attract companies, and, and they're doing a pretty decent job of attracting manufacturers uh, in our, our neck of the woods here. So we are, and, and we are seeing a growth in that in that whole industry sector. When you uh, look at a at a at a macro level. Um, you can you can note that um, manufacturing in the United States is actually becoming very competitive with uh, with China and some of the other typically low, low 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 cost manufacturers. So I'm actually bullish on that on that whole industry.
1: I am as well. I think there, is a, there are some great trends. Energy is a, is a huge one here for this country, and it's, it's sort of been an untold story as well, I think. The resurgence in discovery of natural gas and petroleum that really is going to benefit this country for a, a, a long time and directly benefit the manufacturing sector by giving them lower energy costs.
5: You're absolutely right. And, you know, while, while we may have somewhat higher salary costs, um, when you factor in the, the lower energy costs and then you add in the uh, transportation costs being much lower, um, plus the fact that quality tends to be a lot higher here with goods manu- manufactured in the United States, then it tends to be a net-net gain.
1: I'm old enough to remember the days when we thought for sure our economy was going to be second fiddle to the J- Japanese economy because the cars, etc., <clears throat> and technology and the internet really gave us another significant growth spurt in GDP, et cetera. I think we just, we're we're seeing a reordering of the world a little bit with the Asian footprint in China in particular, but I think we're figuring also out now how to compete effectively against them. and. I saw an article recently in one CEO magazine that I read that said one of the major trends that's developing around the world is the desirability of American-made products for the things that you talked about, the quality, the cachet, of you know being able to own something that was made in America. So I think there's a real opportunity for certain manufacturers not only to grow domestically but also to look at exporting in a way that because they are a manufacturer based in the U.S.,
5: you're actually right, and, you know, you talk about the dollar is fairly favorable right now, which, which also helps manufacturing, and there are some tax laws which, which uh, benefit exporters. So there is, a, there is a lot of opportunity there in the manufacturing world, and, um, you know, we are seeing more and more often um, clients are thinking about taking their manufacturing a, a, a away from China and back here into the U.S.,
1: my engineers letting me know that our time with you is now about to end but before we let you go you've got to tell our audience how to find your firm online what's your website
5: our website is withum.com w-i-t-h-u-m.com and we've got some pretty interesting uh, videos on there if you go to our careers page that are a real hoot to watch
1: today on critical mass coast to coast have a good day and stay busy thank you All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back with our third and final guest here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast after this commercial break. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant, interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www sbnonline.com
4: It takes 12 years to create a
6: graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children because when a child advances, we all advance. <laughs> Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org.
4: Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council.
1: Welcome back today to a very busy critical mass coast-to-coast radio show. We're beaming across the country and actually around the world here on internet radio station OC octalkradio.net. We started out with a guest from the beautiful state of Texas in the city of San Antonio. Next, we went to Philadelphia, my, hometown, my home state of Pennsylvania. And, uh, and now we're going out west to the greater Phoenix area. Tyson, welcome to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Thank you, Rick, for
6: having me on today.
1: Do me a favor and pronounce your last name for me, Tyson.
6: You bet. Last name is Breinholt, B R E I N H. OLT.
1: And you're co owner of Commercial Properties Incorporated? Yes, sir. What does Commercial Properties Incorporated do?
6: Well, uh, the exciting thing is we celebrated last year our 31st year in business here in our headquarters in Arizona.
1: Congratulations. Brother,
6: thank you. My brother and I are uh, co principals, and um, we are a third party, uh, full service brokerage, real estate brokerage company. So we specialize in leasing, sales, and property management of commercial real estate here in Arizona.
1: And how did you guys get into this?
6: Oh, wow. Whew. <laughs> it's been years of entrepreneurial, I guess. My dad, uh, we, we are five-generation Phoenicians here in the Valley. There's not a whole lot of us. I think a lot uh-huh. of people are transients here in Arizona, but uh, we are five-generation Phoenicians, and my brother's been uh, in the business for quite some time, and then I joined uh, years later. And, uh, you know, we just saw a need here, and it's something we enjoy being in sales and meeting with corporations and companies and kind of gravitated towards that. And uh, that's kind of how we got things going.
1: So be clear with me because I want to make sure I understand. What side of the transaction are you on? Do you usually represent?
6: We actually represent a lot of times uh, both sides. So we will sell properties and we will also, um, you know, represent people that are selling so it's usually landlord and or tenant representation
1: okay so tell me about your market because i in my mind think of phoenix commercial real estate and what we've just been through with this great recession that you guys must have experienced one heck of a roller coaster
6: we are still in it (laughs) we are by no means out of it but you know what people people say often that phoenix is nothing but peaks and valleys and certainly, we have felt the valley—the last few uh, Valley of the Sun—they call us—but literally a valley, as real estate uh, prices, residential and commercial, have certainly dropped dramatically. And it's been—it's been an interesting ride. You, you're right; it is a roller coaster, up and down. We've—we've. We've, uh, seems though that uh, slowly we are starting to slowly recover. Uh, In Phoenix, it seems like a lot of our transaction numbers and volumes are starting to finally increase. People will probably tell you, as as I will, that um, have we hit bottom, nobody exactly can determine where that's at, but we certainly are definitely bumping along the bottom, if not starting to gravitate upward slowly, which is exciting finally.
1: Yeah, so you can't go any lower.
6: We don't believe so. And so that right, I mean, there are
1: no guarantees. But I mean, that almost in and in and of itself is 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 beginning to be a recovery because I remember in the early days when things were free falling, a part of what business owners were worried about is how low can this go?
6: You know, and the tricky part today is. For a lot of the people that we represent that own real estate, it's is it going to go any further? It's been it's several years now of them just kind of waiting and waiting, and now that they kind of get signs that things are starting to peak, they want to slowly just catch up on all of these years of down, down. You know, the rental rates being so depressed, sales prices being so depressed, and now that we're kind of slowly getting a little bit of an uptick, you know, they they want to ramp that up real quickly. So we have to sl- to always. You know, educate between our sellers, hey guys, let's be a little more realistic. Let's look at the comparisons out in the market to see where properties really are trading at, what the values of leasing those properties really are, and kind of finding that middle ground between those buyers, sellers, and landlords, tenants. That's the tricky part today. That is the tricky part.
1: How is the occupancy rate in the Phoenix metro area?
6: It varies per, uh, obviously per specialty. We, we specialize in industrial product, office product, retail product, and we do, do a little bit of land, land sales as well. And so it varies between those different, uh, facets, but it generally got up into the high 30s overall. Wow. It's now dropped into the high 20s and probably in some product into the low 20s for the first time in almost four years. So that's exciting.
1: I guess there's the saying that when you stop hitting yourself in the head with a hammer, it feels good. And it, it, for many in many industries in many parts of the country, just the absence of ongoing downward pressure feels good.
6: You know what, in Phoenix we say that the sun has just fried our brains, and so we don't know any different. It, during the summertime, it's just so hot, and, uh, but uh, it, it certainly feels that way sometimes.
1: Okay, i got to go back five generations, because you said your family's been in Phoenix for five generations? Yes, sir. How did you end up? Why? I mean, <laughs> what was Phoenix like five generations ago? I mean, how, when when did your family first make it to Phoenix?
3: Uh, it was,
6: must have been before the railways. It had to have been crud by wagon, maybe? Uh, yeah, partly. You know, we were involved with some of the first settlement uh, communities that came into the, to the uh, Arizona region way back, way back when. Uh, our family and ties and and some of those, but uh, that that's kind of exciting. My dad is an entrepreneur as well has a yeah, my dad and brother run a a heavy demolition construction company here in town and my brother and I are co-principals here at our real estate company and and uh, that's what's exciting. We have that entrepreneurial spirit uh, here in Arizona and, and amongst the organizations that that we work and uh, and own and you know we've just been here for so long I guess we don't know any different, but we love it.
1: Well, it's a great and Phoenix is a beautiful city. Arizona is an amazing state with its diversity. Across, I mean, people may get an impression of if, of all of Arizona being a desert, if you will, but it's not. When you get to Flagstaff and other parts of the state, it's a, it's amazing the diversity that's available to people who live in Arizona.
6: Certainly, and it, it does get warm, you know, three maybe four months of the year. But gosh, those other eight or nine months are just heaven. And uh, you do have the mountains. You've got a lot of lakes. You've got a great, a lot of great outdoor activity in Phoenix. And you know, we still believe that that real estate in general. I mean, people are still moving to Phoenix, and it will attract more and more people. Our cost of living, our uh, our, our expense numbers uh, compared to to. Some other states uh, in the West is relatively low still, and that attracts people, and just the uh, you know all of the available activities and outdoors things that uh, Phoenix has to offer. We believe that's going to keep our real estate growing, both residentially and commercially.
1: Uh, That's a key determinant: is inflow versus outflow. And if you have if you're a net positive as a state to people moving to that state, that is supply and demand at the most basic level, and that's a good. Driver for future pricing and value of homes and commercial real estate. Do you do you do much for manufacturing companies as far as commercial space? We
6: do. In our industrial division, uh, uh, we do a lot of some of the big box manufacturing. A lot of the what we call medium to smaller size uh, industrial. You know your contractor type uh, type groups, not necessarily distribution, but more of your your your, your smaller to medium sized tenants. Um, But a, a lot of industrial use in nature. And a lot of that's in our building areas here in Arizona. You know, your contractors and all those suppliers all the way down the line.
1: And how is manufacturing faring in the greater Phoenix area?
6: You know, that's one thing in Phoenix I would probably have to say is we just need more of that job growth. We certainly have a lot more to offer as a state by way of, you know, some of the things we talked about. But creating that job growth for our larger corporations where distribution, you know, our larger corporate-type uh, executive people want to come here to locate so that business continues to thrive, the workplace, and the work uh, areas continue to grow. And that's that's really what's going to make, make Phoenix uh, a, big, a big spot on the map, we believe.
1: So if you had a crystal ball and we have you back on in two years or some point in the future to talk about the Phoenix commercial real estate market in general, what do you see the trend suggesting it will be like?
6: boy, I just wish I had a lot of money to buy a lot of property a year ago because that was really the time as things start peaking up a little bit. Uh, I think we are definitely head- headed in a upward uh, trend, albeit it may be a little slow, but we are, definitely, uh, we are definitely on the rise for sure. We're seeing it in a lot of not only our transaction numbers, but our dollar per square foot figures continue to increase. A lot of our landlords that had serious, serious vacancy uh, that had to deal with that either through a, uh, you know, through the bank's acquisition of the property and reselling it or repositioning it, a lot of that has now taken place. We're starting to see a little bit more of a healthier state by way of commercial real estate here in Arizona, and we think that's just going to continue.
1: Are they building commercial property?
6: What's happened is uh, the last three and a half years, no, but land is now being acquired And that's the difference. We're now starting to see land parcels start trading, whereas we haven't seen land trade for the last several years. Now that land is selling, um, people are starting to talk about new development. Really, the only development that has happened here is users that need to, they have to go build a facility, they can't find it out in the open market, and I need to go buy the land and actually build it. That's really the only building that's been going on for the last few years. But now we're starting to see some speculative larger future builders come in gobble up some land and start talking about development here
3: within the next year to two
1: emotion is a, it's a pendulum of emotions from greed to fear and everything in between and we certainly have driven that pendulum very hard to the to the uncertainty and fear side but i i also recognize i'm old enough to realize that the psychology of a marketplace can can move pretty quickly to a point where people all of a sudden do a quick jump from Uh, lower activity to much greater activity when they start to believe they're going to miss out on something. Sort of what you were talking about with people wanting to raise the prices because they've been down for so long. I mean, there's a lot of cash and money sitting around that eventually is going to have to get put into play. We're already starting to see companies like Apple's and others that their shareholders are saying, do something with those billions of dollars, and I think it's going to make its way into the economy.
6: Well, I think people are just just getting frustrated and waiting you know they have to wait because they have to wait but at some point they have to make a decision and you know any type of what we say here is momentum creates momentum once that bar ball starts rolling there's really it continues to roll it's really it takes a lot to get it to stop and we're starting to see that roll and i think it's just going to pick up more momentum and momentum
1: so if someone wants to learn more about your firm commercial properties incorporated how do they find you online
6: Thank you. Uh, our website, www.cpiaz.com, is our website. You have all kinds of interactive information there. You can go search properties that we handle, see some that we manage, uh, sell and lease. And obviously, anytime our, our main office number you can find online, 480-966-2301. Um, we have two offices here in Phoenix, and uh, never know, never know if we might start breaching outside the state. That might be something for the future, possibly.
1: Great. Well, Tyson, thank you for your time. Thank you for being a friend of Critical Mass. I want to thank Steve Pincus in the Phoenix area with Renaissance Executive Forums to bring, for bringing you to our attention.
6: My pleasure. Thank you, Rick.
1: Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to thank the members of the Renaissance community, Ken Wax in Philadelphia, Peter Broiler in San Antonio, and as I said, Stephen Pincus in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, for being our producers in those markets and bringing in us our interesting guest that we had on a program today, our engineer... For this program is Paul Roberts. Our producer is Rachel Franzi. Our marketing communications manager is Kelly Faltus. And our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. And until the next time we have a chance to talk, here's hoping that all of your decisions will move your business in a positive direction.
0: You've been listening to Critical Mass Coast to Coast right here on OC Talk